Minutes before Mother realized the first-floor rooms lacked flowers, Alice had no time to waste in climbing stairs. As a skein of housemaids waving polishing cloths flew eagerly down the hall, she slipped through the doorway and hurried to the window. But where was he? Alice felt her stomach swoop, thrill to despair in an instant. Her hands pressed warm against the glass as her gaze swept the scene below. Cream and pink roses, petals shining as if they'd been buffed, precious peaches clinging to the sheltered garden wall, the long silver lake gleaming in the mid-morning light. The whole estate had already been preened and primped to a state of impossible perfection, and yet there was still bustle everywhere. Hired musicians slid gilt chairs across the temporary bandstand, and as the caterers' vans took turns stirring dust on the driveway, the half-assembled marquee ballooned in the summer breeze. The single static note amidst the swirl of activity was Grandmother de Chille, who sat small and hunched on the cast-iron garden seat outside the library, lost in her cobwebbed memories and completely oblivious to the round glass lanterns being strung up in the trees around her. Alice drew a sudden breath. Him. The smile spread across her face before she could stop it. Joy, delicious star-spangled joy, as she spotted him on the small island in the middle of the lake, a great log balanced on one shoulder. She lifted a hand to wave, an impulse and a foolish one, because he wasn't looking towards the house. Even if he had been, he wouldn't have waved back. Both of them knew they had to be more careful than that. Her fingers found the ribbon of hair that always fell loose by her ear, and she wound it between her fingers, back and forth, over and over. She liked watching him like this, in secret. It made her feel powerful, Not like when they were together, when she brought him lemonade in the garden, or managed to sneak away to surprise him when he was working in the far-off reaches of the estate. When he asked after her novel, her family, her life, and she told him stories and made him laugh, and had to struggle not to lose herself within the pools of his deep green eyes with their golden specks. Beneath her gaze, he bent, pausing to steady the log's weight before easing it into place atop the others. He was strong, and that was good. Alice wasn't sure why, only that it mattered to her in a deep and unexplored place. Her cheeks were hot. She was blushing. Alice Edervain wasn't shy. She'd known boys before. Not many, it was true, With the exception of their traditional midsummer party, her parents were famously reserved, preferring one another's company. But she'd managed, on occasion, to exchange surreptitious words with the village boys, or the tenant farmer's sons, who tugged their caps and lowered their eyes and followed their fathers about the estate. This, though, this was... Well, it was just different. And she knew how breathless that sounded, how awfully like the sort of thing her big sister Deborah might say, but it happened to be true. Benjamin Munro was his name. She mouthed the syllable silently. Benjamin James Munro. 
26 years old, late of London. He had no dependents, was a hard worker, a man not given to baseless talk. He'd been born in Sussex and grown up in the Far East, the son of archaeologists. He liked green tea, the scent of jasmine, and hot days that built towards rain. He hadn't told her all of that. He wasn't one of those pompous men who bassooned on about himself and his achievements as if a girl were just a pretty enough face between a pair of willing ears. Instead, she'd listened and observed and gleaned, and when the opportunity presented, crept inside the storehouse to check the head gardener's employment book. Alice had always fancied herself a sleuth, and sure enough, Pinned behind a page of Mr. Harris's careful planting notes, she'd found Benjamin Munro's application. The letter itself had been brief, written in...